0: Welcome to the Word of Life study series, Faith That Moves Mountains. There are enemies in this hostile world that are bent on destroying our faith. We could take an entire season on this subject alone. For time's sake, we will focus our study on three main ones, fear, doubt, and unbelief. These are Satan's main weapons that are designed to undermine and destroy our faith in God. Let us now disclose these enemies and discover some biblical strategies in order to overcome them, 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Three kinds of fear. Fear is a paralyzing force that holds people in helpless grip of torment. It is of the devil and is part of his arsenal to destroy mankind. Fear is simply faith in the devil. When I looked up the Greek meaning of fear in my Vines expository dictionary, I discovered that there are many renderings and applications in the Bible concerning the subject of fear. Everything ranging from a good kind of fear that speaks of a reverential respect and awe of God to a diabolical type that comes straight from the pit of hell. So there are three types of fear that I would like to explore with you. The first one is the type of fear that we are all familiar with. It is a kind of fear that causes flight, dread, and terror. So the first type of fear we're going to talk about is terror. Most people would operate in this kind of fear if they saw a shark coming after them. 1 John 4.18, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The Greek word is phobos, which kind of reminds me of phobia, which means alarm or fright, to be afraid, exceedingly fear and terror. But faith and a life of obedience go hand in hand. Matthew 8.23 Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. If anybody but Jesus had said, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? People would say, who do you think you are? What is the matter with you? You proud, arrogant person. I would like to see how you would fare in this position. Does that sound familiar? This is how the world thinks, and many religious Christians who have a form of godliness but deny the power. They reserve that kind of faith to Jesus only. However, they forget the scripture in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This kind of faith is not outside our reach. God would be unjust to tell us to do something knowing full well that it could never be done. 1 John 2, 6. In the natural, it was normal for the disciples of Jesus to be afraid of dying, and in their opinion, they were not too far from it at the time. But suddenly, they remembered that Jesus was in the boat, only to find him sleeping. Faith rests in the midst of a trial, while everyone else is running around like a chicken with its head cut off, saying, What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We have had it this time. If only I'd stayed home and been a good little Christian. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to release my faith in God through his word and say, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 1 John four, 4. Or, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? In Psalms 118 verse 6 and 7. Speak the word to the storms of life, and stand and see the salvation of God. Some may say, easier said than done. However, when God's word gets rooted in our spirit, responding by faith becomes instinctive. That is the secret. Like a sponge, when squeezed, what's inside comes out. Notice what Jesus said concerning the fear they gave into. You of little faith why are you so afraid? Did you know that there is no excuse to give in to fear? In other words, fear is a temptation to sin. Just like any other temptation, people in the natural excuse fear as a normal part of living, but they never saw Jesus running away in terror over anything. Nor did Jesus excuse it by saying, it's okay to be afraid. I get afraid too sometimes. No, Jesus never said something like that. Faith is the opposite of fear. Faith produces a holy boldness and courage that will face any problem, any crisis, and tear into it with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. 1 Peter three six in the Amplified You are her true daughters, if you do what is right and let nothing terrify you, not giving way to fear or hysteria, letting anxieties unnerve you. Romans 14.23 And everything that does not come from faith is sin. The disciples had more faith in the devil being able to destroy them than they did in Jesus being able to save them. We need to resist fear as we do the devil, because fear is of the devil as faith is of God. Faith comes by hearing the words of God as fear comes by hearing the words of the devil and taking to heart the circumstances of life that he produces. Just as the scriptures say in Daniel 11.32, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. What is the key to walking in the realm of faith that God has called his children to walk in? Psalms 119 verse 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promises. The next kind of fear is really going to take you by surprise. This is a type of fear that is quite different from the kind of fear that we just talked about. It is best understood as a kind of fear that produces feelings of intimidation and manipulation, like that of an adversary assigned to destroy you. Satan will use people, not just the ungodly, but religious people, who profess to love God to be a thorn in your flesh. Under the guise of straightening you out, they will make it their personal ambition to make life a trial for you. When under this kind of an attack from the enemy, these people will resemble Job's comforters they are more of a hindrance than a help. Intimidation is a powerful tool of the enemy to manipulate and force people into submission. The devil is just a big bully who bluffs his way into the lives of believers in order to discourage them from believing God. The kind of fear we are addressing here is a kind of fear that is exerted by peer pressure or public opinion. This kind of fear probably affects politicians and other leaders the most. This kind of fear is a cowardly and timid kind of fear that has no backbone, but gives into pressure because it is afraid of what others think. This kind of fear is very insipid, spineless, and lukewarm kind of fearfulness that is sickening to look at. Let's now look at an example of this in First Samuel chapter 13, verse 7. Saul remained at Gigal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gigal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, Bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines We're assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me in Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command, what a lot of people think is humility is actually fear and sheepish submission to other folks' manipulative plans. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20 to 24, Saul hid from the people when they wanted to anoint him as king over Israel. He was destined for failure from the very beginning. The fear of intimidation produces compromise and will always result in failure. Faith on the other hand will produce a supernatural courage boldness confidence peace and joy to face any difficult situation that does not mean that walking by faith gives us a license to be pushy and arrogant and always insisting on our own way it does mean however that through god's power we will not let the devil make a doormat out of us or another victim first samuel chapter 15 verse 13 when samuel reached him Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Malachites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop! Samuel said to Saul, Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Malachites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Malachites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin, and come back with me, so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Now notice carefully what Saul said, I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. And fortunately, it cost him his kingdom. Being a man-pleaser is just not worth the price. When we cave in to peer pressure, it will cost us. The fear of intimidation will drive us to act presumptuously and give in to pressure from people. Like the parable of the sower in Mark 4.17, Jesus said, But since they have no root. They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Get so full of the word that you become bold as a lion in the face of opposition. Acts 4, verse 23 to 31. Faith and a life of obedience go hand in hand. The fear of intimidation that produces cowardliness and timidity will actually prevent people from accepting Jesus as Lord or cause people to backslide. This is serious stuff and should not be taken lightly. This spiritual force of fear is rampant in this world and has caused many people to go to hell because they yielded to it. John chapter 7 verse 12 to 13. The following story comes from John chapter 9 verse 13 to 34. I encourage you to read the whole story. Here is a man who stands up to the Pharisees and receives Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Unfortunately, his parents made the decision that belonging to the synagogue was more important than salvation. So let's begin with John chapter nine verse eighteen. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. "Is this your son?" they asked. "Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see?" "We know he is our son," the parents answered, "and we know that he was born blind, but how he can see now?" or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. This is why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9 states, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. In Second Timothy one seven in the Amplified, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, or of craven and cringing and fawning fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a calm and well-balanced and discipline and self-discipline. Hebrews 10 verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. Revelation 21.8 But the cowardly, the fearful, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. The last type of fear we're going to study is just as deadly as the other two that we just talked about. However, this kind of fear is much more subtle and deceptive than the other two. Most people would not even consider it as fear. However, anxiety and worry are the tormenting twins of mother fear. They have ruined countless lives and is the root cause of many ulcers and various illnesses. They robbed people of joy and peace, and have brought down many people to an early grave. First Peter 5:7 in the Amplified. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. The Greek word care actually conveys the idea of a distraction. In Vine's Expository Dictionary, the word care means to draw in different directions, to distract. Caused by a care, especially an anxious care. This Greek word conveys the thought of anxiety, a distracting care, to get our eyes off of Jesus. Peter and the waves is a great example of that. A believer who embraces anxiety and cares has fallen into a snare of the devil. It is a choice that we make just like yielding to any other sin. The devil can't make us do it. He can only offer an invitation, so let's slam the door in his face. It is so sad to see people in this world groping around in the kingdom of darkness, full of fear and anxiety. What a miserable existence to live without Jesus. People are so accustomed to this lifestyle that in their eyes, when they see believers walking by faith without a care or worry in the world, they think they have fallen off the deep end. We are accused of being irresponsible and living in a dream world. They are half right. For life with Jesus is a dream come true. For Jesus is my burden bearer, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I'm not saying that once we become a Christian, we will float through life on flowery beds of ease. Psalms 34.19 states, A righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. The difference is that a believer gets to go through life with Jesus as more than a conqueror, reigning in this life as a king in Christ Jesus. Romans 5:17 and Chapter 8, verse 37. This southern expression fits well here. Worry is like a rocking chair; it gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. Let's expound a little more on Vine's definition of anxiety: distracting cares. The purpose of anxiety is to get our eyes off of Jesus and His Word. That is where our answer is. If the devil can successfully get our eyes off of Jesus and onto some smokescreen, some distracting cares. He will defeat us with the fear of anxiety and worry. The problems of life are sent to everyone. No one is exempt. Jesus said in John ten ten The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Therefore, let's obey his word in first Peter three verse fourteen to fifteen It states, "Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but set in your hearts Christ Jesus as lord matthew fourteen twenty three After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. says concerning Matthew 14.30. But when Peter perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened, and as he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me from death. Natural things are very real to our five senses, and they send crisis alerts to our brain. Even though Peter did what anyone else would have done in that situation, Jesus still rebuked him for having little faith and for doubting. Peter did fine as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But he was being enticed by the surrounding circumstances. Unfortunately, he gave in and, like Lot's wife, gave in to the natural and looked. As a result, Peter became filled with fear and anxiety, and he began to sink. He started out in faith by simple obedience to Jesus' words, but got distracted, and it nullified his faith. That is why the Bible says in Second Corinthians five seven, "We walk by faith, not by sight." The key is to get full of faith when there is no storm around. Therefore, when the storms of life do come, we will be ready for them. Matthew 26.41 If we wait until the storms of life come, we have waited too late. So remember, anxiety equals distracting cares. Have you ever seen a person who was trapped in the pit of anxiety and worry? They were being tormented day and night about things that had not even happened yet. The enemy has filled their minds with all kinds of imaginations, storylines, and what if situations to terrorize them. The devil is a liar, a deceiver. He does not play fair. He will take advantage of any opportunity afforded him by our lack of knowledge of God's word. When we give in to this evil snare, it will plunge us into a sea of turmoil and confusion that leads to hysteria and delirium, even insanity for some. The sad thing is, The whole thing is just a dumb mind game the devil tries to put people through. Have you noticed that the Bible is full of fear-nots, don't-be-afraid-and-take-courage statements? Because God is a faith God, not a fear God. Proverbs 12.25 An anxious heart weighs a person down, but a kind word cheers them up. The Greek word for anxiety means to be full of fear, heaviness, and sorrow. Anxious cares are terrible weights and burdens to bear. Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy and your peace by being burdened down with worthless worry. Resist him and resist that worry and that anxiety in the name of Jesus. Psalms 55.22 In the Amplified, Cast your cares on the Lord, releasing the full weight of it, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Philippians 4, six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Remember, faith and fear are diametrically opposed to each other. They are two opposite extremes. It is easy to identify someone who is operating in faith or fear. Jesus walked on the water, not because he was the Son of God, but because he was walking by faith. Peter did the same thing. He walked on the water with the same faith as Jesus. However, Peter was walking with training wheels on and he fell down, just inexperienced. We can't expect to walk by faith perfectly the first time. We will fall down, but sweet Jesus is there to rescue us when we call out for help. That's a smart thing to do. Lord, save me! So don't give up when you make a mistake. You're not a failure just because you make mistakes. That is part of the learning process we're only failures when we give up and quit when anxiety comes to attack and lays siege to your mind the solution is to fill your heart and mind with the word of god the word will become a wall of fire around you faith is our shield with which we extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one we must take those thoughts captive with the word according to second corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 and 5 so when people come to us and say hey take care Our response can be, Jesus has and is doing a great job with them already. Matthew 6.25 Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we give in to worry, we're saying to the Father God, Father, I'm sorry, but I just don't think you're competent to handle this one. I'm better off taking care of it myself. Or we might be saying, Father, I know you're just too busy to be bothered with this care, but after I've suffered enough and am totally overwhelmed by it, I might just turn this problem over to you then. God is no longer God in our lives if his children are tormented by turmoil, anxiety, and worry. It is an insult to the Lord, and it makes him look like a failure because he has promised to sustain us and to put us over in every situation. Did you know the shepherd is a reflection of the condition of the sheep? We could be a bad testimony to the Lord by being consumed by fear. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Psalms thirty-seven thirty-five. We must resist worry like we do any other temptation to not trust God, and take His word at face value. Here are some scriptures that will help direct us in aligning our thought life unto Jesus. Hebrews 3-1 Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest whom we confess. Colossians one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Philippians eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Isaiah twenty six three, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Faith in God comes by hearing what God says. Then on the other hand, faith in the devil comes by hearing the words of the devil, or focusing our attention on the circumstances of life that he's conjuring up. If we're always listening to the words of the devil, then we're probably wondering, why we don't have any faith in god hearing the words of the devil produces fear faith is the substance of things hoped for or desired so the opposite of faith is fear which would be the substance of things not desired like in job 3:25 what i feared has come upon me what i've dreaded has happened to me job didn't just fear he was highly developed in it the more highly developed we get in either faith or fear The quicker the manifestation will come. The words we speak will either cause faith or fear to come depending on what we speak. Words transmit faith, but also can transmit fear. Doubt, the double minded. In our study concerning the enemies of faith, we come to our next adversary doubt. This subtle enemy plants itself into the minds of believers in order to hinder the flow of faith from their hearts. Doubt creates an instability in our lives. To waver and hesitate in putting faith in God and His Word. Until we are rooted and grounded in the Word and established in our heart concerning God's will, doubts will consciously or unconsciously continue to hinder us in our faith walk. There are a couple of Greek words for doubt. One means to hesitate, contend, to differ, to judge, to be partial and stagger, and to waver. The other one means to duplicate, to waver in opinion, to doubt, Vine's Dictionary expounds on these Greek meanings by saying that doubt implies vacillating in opinion or purpose, being two souled or double-minded. James chapter one verse eight and chapter four verse eight. The verb in James one six suggests not so much weakness of faith as a lack of it, perplexed basically. Second Corinthians four verse eight and Galatians four twenty, to stand in two ways, double standing implying. Uncertainty of which way to take. Matthew chapter fourteen verse thirty-one and chapter twenty-eight verse seventeen, being anxious through a distracted state of mind, of wavering between hope and fear, living in careful suspense. Luke twelve twenty-nine expresses reasoning, questioning, or hesitation. Romans fourteen one, First Kings eighteen twenty-one. Elijah went before the people and said, "How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him." but if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. What an incredible Bible story as depicted by Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. All it takes is one man or woman of God to take God at his word. Wavering between two opinions is a life of compromise void of the reality of God's power. Jesus is looking for believers that are not lukewarm, but on fire, full of faith and conviction. When people have been duped by religion, and the philosophies of mankind, spiritual distortion and confusion will set in. Doubt is a human condition that is too preoccupied with natural reasoning. Luke 24.38 Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? The King James Version uses the words thoughts rather than doubts. The Greek for thoughts means to debate, dispute, imagination, reasoning, thought, doubtful. Some people get so educated at the expense of their heart, they are so conditioned and trained to analyze everything, that faith and spiritual things are beyond their grasp to conceive or comprehend. The answer for them is to get their minds renewed and reprogrammed with the word of God. This will cause their soul to become in agreement with their spirit, which will usher them into spiritual concepts, truths, and realities. In Hebrews 7 verse 7, NIV uses doubt, but King James Version uses contradiction. When doubts rise in our mind, oftentimes there are thoughts from the enemy to contradict the truth of God's word. The devil is the father of lies, and they produce doubt and fear. Resist him with the word and in the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? Doubt means to stagger back and forth and waver in opinion. Faith begins where the will of God is known, and God's word is God's will. So when we are struggling with doubts in our head, let's flood our mind with God's word by meditating on the scriptures until we become totally convinced concerning God's will for our life. Since doubt is rooted in a lack of revelation from God's word on a given subject, let's get full of the light of God's word. 1 John one five. As we grow up in Jesus and his word takes ascendancy in our lives, the devil will no longer be able to take advantage of our lack of knowledge. Ephesians 4.14 Then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. The Bible is very clear on this subject and leaves no room for guesswork. He who doubts will fail to receive God's best in their life. Romans 14.23 The man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. When it comes to believing God about a particular area in our lives, we will all start out with some doubts, but they must be eliminated by God's word if we are to expect to receive anything from God. James 1.6 But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all he does. Matthew fourteen thirty one, Jesus said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew twenty one twenty one, have faith and do not doubt. Mark eleven twenty three does not doubt in his heart. James one six, he must believe and not doubt. John twenty verse twenty seven in the King James Version, stop doubting and believe be not faithless but believing. Here is something to consider. Is it possible for us to believe in our heart and yet have doubts in our head? To quote an old-time minister, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. As we fight the good fight of faith, the enemy will attempt to overthrow our faith with a barrage of doubts. These deceptive attacks come through well-meaning people and supposedly legitimate sources like the doctor's report thank god for doctors but what they see is through their five senses and through their education and their learning about the sense realm but god's word is our final authority we need to hide god's word in our hearts and walk by faith and not by sight so we can receive every need in our life met we must continue to resist the temptation to give in to doubt as long as we resist it we have not sinned one may ask how do we know if we have given into doubt if we fit the profile of James chapter 1 verse 6 through 8, then we have been sucked into the whirlpool of doubt. We need to only repent and get into the word until we have the assurance of faith in our heart. Doubt is simply a lack of faith. The more of God's word that is hidden in our heart, the more faith will work in our life with less doubt. James 4, eight, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The word purify in the Greek means to sanctify or to purify in a sense of ceremonial washing. So the cure for a double-minded believer is to purify his or her heart. If we make our minds clean and sanctified through the washing with water through the word, Ephesians 5.26, we can purge our soul from doubts. If we don't, we'll be made subject to wavering and staggering between two points of view, Bible and Circumstances. As we renew our minds, according to romans twelve two through meditating on the promises of God Joshua one eight we will become rooted and grounded in God's will for our lives, and nothing will be able to move us until then. we are vulnerable, exposed, and in danger of falling short of God's best for our lives. Beware of people and things that seek to fill our minds with worry and the cares of this world 1 timothy five twenty two Do not share in the sins of others, keep yourself pure. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. These ungodly influences will drain us of spiritual vitality until we are totally weak and drained. What's the use of listening and watching things that will only need to be flushed out of our mind later? What a waste of time. I know this from personal experience. Unbelief. The sin of disobedience. We have been saying that doubt is a condition that affects the soul area, mind, will, and emotions producing a double-minded wavering between God or the circumstances. Unbelief is quite different in nature. It is a condition of the heart. It is a rebellious, disobedient, hardened, and calloused heart that knows the will of God but stubbornly chooses to disobey it. This condition is much more serious than doubt. Doubts are the result of a lack of knowledge and God's word in our heart, but unbelief knows the will of God but still deliberately disobeys it. That person will never enter into God's rest according to the scriptures. Hebrews three seven. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the desert, or your fathers tested and tried me, and for forty years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Vine's Dictionary defines unbelief as the condition of being unpersuadable, denoting obstinacy, obstinate rejection of the will of God, hence disobedience. Now, the danger of folks persisting in unbelief is that they will find themselves cut off from God and shut out from His power and provision for their lives. The nation of Israel often found itself in this precarious position. They had the law and the commandments, but on the most part they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Matthew 27, verse 22 to 25. They had pursued a law of righteousness by works and not by grace. Romans chapter 9, verse 30 to chapter 10 verse 4. Let's read Romans chapter 11 verse 11. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, Branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. The people of Israel had a reputation for being stubborn and stiff-necked. Human nature from birth is bent on being self-willed and independent. One beautiful aspect of faith is that it embraces the whole area of trust in God, likened unto one falling back into the arms of Jesus in good times and during times of trials. The root of unbelief is hardness of heart. Jesus told us to become like little children in order to inherit the kingdom of God, to be born again, according to Matthew eighteen three. From a spiritual context, the more we grow spiritually, the more dependent we become upon Jesus. It is only through abiding in Him and His Word, John chapter fifteen and maintaining the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Philippians 2.1, will we maintain a tender heart, like David, who is a man after God's heart. We must learn to be quick to forgive and quick to repent, lest we be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 1 John 3.19. This, then, is how we know we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. Repentance and obedience to God's word is the cure for unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 to chapter 4, verse 3. As He has just said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it or mix it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I trust that this episode provided some additional insight into the importance of getting fear, doubt, and unbelief out of our lives. Until we do, Faith in God will be undermined by these enemies. God's word is the cure for overcoming fear and doubt. Repentance is the cure for unbelief. God bless. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life study series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. To receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter one verse seventeen. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart May be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when God raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come and in chapter 2 verse 6 and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.